Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Good evening, everybody. Just after eight o'clock here uh, in British summertime, as it is now, just starting to head into the gloaming, maybe a little bit darker than that here at Hindhoff Towers. Uh, good to have your company tonight. Up in London is Tim Gray. Good evening, Tim. And it's slightly darker than that here because obviously it's further south. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a few a degrees. Just a few but degrees makes a difference. Have you had a nice day today? It's been a lovely sunny day today. Another one of those uh, afternoons where it was so sunny I couldn't do any work because I couldn't see the screen from the uh, glare through the window. Um, the responsible adults did work in the garden and we had breakfast and dinner in the garden. It was so lovely today. It reminded me of being in the days many, many years ago when I actually had holidays and went abroad. It was good. I you go abroad a lot now. And have breakfast out a lot now. Yes, but not outside normally. Never, never normally time for that. Uh, anyway, does uh, Marion's not have a uncovered park? Well, it, yes, yes. Sometimes that's a fair point. Marion's uh, in uh, the Imsa paddock. We sometimes sit outside, and I have been known to sit outside the Creventic unit as well and, and have a breakfast out there. Anyway, we can, we have no time for this. We have a packed program tonight on which you will find what. Uh, You'll find uh, most of the usual features. Most. Yes. We have a big interview with Johnny Molam. Yes. uh, Talking about how uh, his retirement is being affected by the coronavirus. (laughs) I'm sure retirement won't come up. No. In that at Uh, all. We'll be talking to Gerard Neveu. We'll be talking to Andrew Cotton. Uh, We have Nick Damon. We have Johnny Palmer. And Johnny Palmer and Nick Damon together will be playing uh, uh, our third quarter final of uh, the fantastic game show Play Your Cards Right. Which we haven't had for far too much time. It's been a long time since the second quarter final, let me tell you. Yes, that. it has. Yes, well, you know, everything's been on lockdown, so that's fine. We've ha- we're having to play this quarter final behind closed doors, by the way, before anybody says uh, anything. Hello to Kevin Payne, who is listening live again. Looking forward to hearing what. Uh, JMO's getting up to. John McCarthy is saving us for the uh, weekly queue, uh, he says. Hello to Sim Archibald Steele, who's listening uh, in tonight. Another week, another live listen, says Turtle. Uh, Wicker Bill uh, listening in tonight as well. And hello to Alex from Goodley in North Devon, whose birthday it is today. Feels a bit like two way family favourites here. Apparently, we're helping you get through this uh, motorsport bereft time. So, thank you guys for keeping us all smiling. Says Queen SB. That coming on at, at Specutainment, which is the best way uh, to get in touch. Hello to David Walton uh, listening uh, tonight. Jonathan I. Ezo, uh, 
uh, AFAs for the last few weeks and for the next well in advance. Actual work and Passover preparation. My schedule has been quite full. Wishing everyone on your team a happy, healthy uh, and, again, healthy holiday, whatever you celebrate. Uh, well, uh, and if you're celebrating Passover, uh, which is actually starting right now, isn't it? Eight o'clock in the UK uh, here uh, this Holy Thursday, uh, this this uh, Wednesday of Easter week, should I say? Um, then uh, may the Spirit pass over the houses of you, you and your friends and family, and have a happy Passover. Uh, at Spectertainment, if you want to get in touch, no AFAs from Brody tonight. Uh, a large drink. Uh, the, uh, sorry, the opposite of a large drink. Uh, on the Turbo Trainer, uh, Turner, Turbo Trainer tonight. Oh dear. Uh, too busy to listen live for Matt Endine. He's taking a, a Lotus 98T to inappropriate circuits in the virtual world. Of course, he's doing uh, Laguna Seca at night uh, at the moment. Hello to Jonathan Gitlin, who's uh, listening in uh, this evening. To Rob Chalmers, listening live in the garden eating a Chinese takeaway. Wow, I wish our Chinese takeaway was still uh, open. He's used his... Uh, Government a lot of daily exercise to reacquaint himself with the witness section of the Trans Pennine Trail, uh, he says this evening. Neil Gardner is tuned in and drawing a Jägermeister Kramer 935. Neil, you are knocking it out of the park lately in terms of your talent. Uh, Dirty Uncle Kevin settling in with a wonderful view of the meadow and my neighbour's yapping dogs. Stephen Lloyd got a race on Project Cars 2. So Mitchie missing the first hours of the show. He'll be listening uh, on uh, Catch Up. Uh, Stephen Gardner listening live for the fourth week running. Specutainment tuning in, but distracted by the wall collapse uh, of her neighbour across the street this week in Monterey, California. Uh, no airfares for Alexander Ork and Salmon on Crute with crushed potatoes, samphire, a leek, white wine and red pepper sauce. That sounded really good until no, the red pepper sauce. No, no, I like the like. I like it. I think that's going to add add a little sweetness to it because red peppers do have a little bit of sweetness. They do, but I'm not sure that's what you want with salmon and samphire. Well, I'm going to give it. Uh, Rob Jane is listening in with her 12 year old uh, Layla. Uh, is it Lila? Sorry, whilst doing a large Harry Potter jigsaw. Chris Suku, is it Wednesday already? Looking forward to the show. Serafina Chu uh, caught the FIA WEC. Le Mans Fulham, really miss racing, but thanking you for bringing what you do every week. Simon Hoff's listening live. So is Spooner in orange. So is Phil, Chris Ring, Matthew Heinemann, Kevin Poulton, David Two Bruce, uh, David Raleigh, Hugo de Martelaire, Jonathan Main, David Walton, Slow Pass, Jules Outybridge, and Patrick Ardron. Time for the top story tonight. Play the jingle, Tim. Latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. And of course, there is only one place to start Midweek Motorsport with our top story this week. The ELMS and the WEC calendars, revised calendars, uh, were released uh, last Friday. We've had a little bit of time to digest what we've seen. And I'm delighted to say that Sherard Navour, the man at the head of LMEM, who looks after both of those championships, is on the form with us now. First of all, Sherard, how are you? How's the family? Thank you very much. Very well um, at this moment. We are totally safe and together and we stay uh, like everybody locked down. But... Uh, 
Uh, we are still connected with everybody with the new technology. Let's say, I probably never use my computer like I'm doing during the last two weeks uh, with a Visio uh, 10 hours per day. But the most important is just to, to follow exactly the recommendation from the authorities so we stay at home and we be careful together just to help the medical staff to make very well the job, what they are doing now. I think we're all finding out about new technology, uh, Gerard, all the way. I've never downloaded mm. as many different applications to talk to people all over the, the world as I have uh, last week. And actually, that works quite well to bring us to your... Uh, press conference last week which was done on zoom uh, and you you had some journalists on there as well to talk about the the, the, the new calendars um let, let's talk about the um the wec first of all and the continuation of the current season of wec when you were kind enough to join us on this show a couple of weeks ago that was your first priority to be able to complete the season, which at that time you thought was going to be the completion would be Le Mans at the end of September. But uh, circumstances have changed a little bit. And you did say then that things might change. Yeah, you're absolutely right. When you asked me the question three weeks ago, we, we were expected that the, the LC crisis will be under control in a short time. And uh, the idea was to, to set up the two races before Le Mans and to, and to complete the season at Le Mans in June and to finish the season, as it was the initial plan with the, with the Super Final. Um, in fact, uh, after a few weeks, we understood that uh, it would be impossible to, to organize or to set up two big races with WC before. And uh, we, we took the, the feeling from the team, from the, from the partners, from the, from the actors, from the paddock, and clearly, all of them say that it's better if we have the, the right number of races to make sure that we respect the, the sporting, uh, uh, the sporting uh, situation. So for this reason, we never had any other choice than to do one race before Le Mans in August. And we hoped that it would be possible to do it in Spa uh, in August. Then to go to Le Mans, because Le Mans is in September. And the only solution we had in, in, in order to respect the wish from the paddock was to set up a race after. Uh, after you need to keep a gap after Le Mans to make sure that everybody can recover very well. So the, the only way was to do an, um, an, uh, an, uh, a race by November somewhere around the world. And also, um, which is Bahrain, of course, as we, as we know now, um, uh, also some detailed changes to uh, Le Mans itself. We know now there's going to be, since we've spoken last, there's not going to be a test day. We're going to move the start time uh, a, a little bit as well, bring it forward during the day. That gives the television company, in, in particularly for their coverage across the world, more daylight hours at the start of the race when the, 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 you're going to get one of the biggest audiences. Yeah, not only the TV, but also the fact that you you must be sure that for the comfort of the visitors, and there is normally a large number of people coming to Le Mans, this is on Sunday afternoon, it's darkness very early by the end of September, nothing That's to compare with point. June, to let, the, to let them the time to... To, 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 to rejoin the home on the evening and uh, for the organization it was absolutely better to finish a little bit early but you're right also in order to avoid some clash with the TV on Sunday afternoon and it's for the start of the race on Saturday we know that during the, the first hours there is a very busy traffic because everybody stay very close together normally so we have more daily uh, time for the race which is more comfortable for everybody uh, uh, Gerard, the question that most people will be asking, particularly uh, 
where I am at the moment, which is only about 45 minutes away from Silverstone, is, is why wasn't Silverstone, which had a date already on the first weekend in September, why wasn't it possible to get the ELMS and the WEC at Silverstone on that date or somewhere near that date. It's, a, it's an unusual situation that Silverstone has because it can host both of the, the championships. And, and as we'll speak about with ELMS, you've had to put a separate week on in for ELMS. Well, what happened there? What can you tell us? You, you, you're absolutely right. But the, the fact is, we, we, we say that we postponed SPA. So the race for the current season eight in Silverstone already happened last year in September. And the priority was to make sure that the race from Spa can happen also because it was the it was the initial plan for the season eight, uh, which which we never have which never happened before. So we said okay, we have to try to find a way first to Spa, and if it's not possible, why not a second time in Silverstone? But Spa is the priority because the car the the, the, the race never happened. So we find a way to do it with Spa, and uh, it was the right place also to do the rear soul with uh, with Le Mans, and after that. Considering the schedule of Silverstone, uh, it was difficult to find uh, another slot in between because they have the MotoGP uh, uh, at the end of the August month. So it was impossible to set up a, a second race, I would say, two weeks later. And it's difficult to organize two races on a such short time, three weeks before Le Mans. Then after that, regarding after Le Mans for the last race of the year, um, in, to do a race in November in Silverstone is unreasonable, so we were looking for another option. So unfortunately, we didn't have choice. And I have to say that the race that we are not doing in September in Le Mans, in the Silverstone, has nothing to do with the current season. It was supposed to be for the next season. Exactly. But as you know, we had automatically to postpone the next season next year. That's a decision from the FI and the ACO regarding the fight that we have uh, we have uh, um, put in place Le Mans in by the end of September. Uh, we'll, we'll come to season nine for WEC in a moment. Thank you for the explanation, a very full explanation there about Silverstone. Let's talk about the ELMS because clearly the ELMS hasn't even got um, underway this season yet. I, I like um, when I was speaking about this over the weekend to somebody, I described the solution that you guys have come up with as an elegant solution for the ELMS and WEC at Spa. Um, I'm, I'm, under the impression that there probably isn't quite enough room or enough garage space uh, at Spa to be able to run both of those series and the attendant support races on a single weekend. So what you've done is you've got the, the ELMS on one weekend racing on a Sunday and then the FIAWEC comes the following weekend but races on the Saturday. So in fact, actually, you, you've squeezed, even using two weekends, you've squeezed the amount of days down there. So if somebody is going to stay, a team or a driver, uh, it's actually not not uh, not too many days where they're sitting around not doing anything. I think that's, as I say, I think that's an elegant solution, Gerard, if I may say so. Yeah, it was the only one we can find because to, we, first of all, we tried to do something similar than Silverstone if it was possible to set up the both race on the same weekend, but it isn't because the endurance pit lane, the second one in Silverstone, in a spa, sorry, the garage is too small and the space in the paddock is too small to host the two big championships, LMS and uh, WEC. So we said that we have to find a way from now and for a long time probably, to, to find a solution to help the team and the organizer and the partners to save money a lot. 
because we will also face to an economical uh, difficult situation in the near future. So the fact that, that we are doing a back-to-back -back race helps probably many partners, uh, suppliers, I mean the tires, I mean few teams also like United or like uh, F-Corsi, for example, who are engaged, involved in the bus championship to let some material, some trucks just change the car, but they can save a lot of money because it will be, uh, I would say, a, a 10 days program in order to be a, a too long distance that they have to split with the, with all the logistics. So it was the, 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 the best I would say the best solution we found. This is never perfect, but we try to do something in the middle of this big crisis. Uh, uh, let's stick with this year for the moment and stick with the ELMS. Um, the rest of the season for the ELMS, official tests in the middle of July, running into the first race on the 19th of July at Le Castellet, then Spa on the 9th of August. We've talked about then Barcelona, 29th of August, 11th of October, Monza, 1st of November, Portimao. So as necessity a very compressed calendar uh, but still with a, a season's worth uh, of racing there um, this is a, a difficult question to ask but one that you'll understand why I'm asking um, how confident are you that you could get the test and the even the first race at Le Castellet off in, in in July and and would you consider running an event if the situation was uh, cleared by the authorities, running an event behind closed doors for the ELMS? Well, John, at this moment, we have no idea very sincerely about what will be the, the situation in, in three months, more than well, three months and a half. So we have to be, we have to be very humble and very uh, careful. But if it's, if it's a necessity, this is one thing that we can imagine in, in the LMS because the, the, the business model is not uh, taking consideration the ticketing. That's not the big part because, as you know, we do a very uh, very low price ticket. This is free. The entrance is free. You just pay for. You, this is in the case everything is free, including the grid. So that's that's not a reason for us to say yes or not. If we have to do, we will do it. You know, the the first point will be to try to organize five races to help the team to save the season because they have to run for sure. They have to prepare them also because we have to never forget that the LMS didn't run since last October in Portimao. So it's a long time ago. So we have to try to find a solution for them. If we have the chance to organize the race and if it's confirmed in July, uh, open or, 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 or closed door, we will organize in any case. That's, that's not a question for us. Yeah, and of course... You have noticed that on everything that has been released, uh, quite rightly, it says we're basically at the mercy of, of circumstances and, and whatever happens has to yeah. happen. Yeah, absolutely. Understand that. OK, absolutely. let's let's switch back to WEC now. And we've talked about um, the completion of this season. Some changes for next season as well, which, as we've said, should have started on the 1st of September at Silverstone. This is series, series season nine. Now uh, you're seeing Gerard's uh, probably not starting till sometime in March 2021. And are you still looking to get a full eight rounds in, uh, and presumably not ending at Le Mans either? It's 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 too early to say that. We, we the only thing we try to do is to say okay, we have decided after the the new organization, the revised calendar for the current season eight. We have decided with the FIA that the best way was to postpone the start of the next race in March 21 for for different reasons. First of all, we have to provide a gap 
for the team after the last one to exactly. be ready for the next one. But the second point, which is for me the most sensitive, is probably behind the healthy crisis that we hope that um, everybody will get out uh, safe. Uh, we will have, probably we'll have to face to a very challenging situation with the economical situation. And um, uh, this is only about the team, but this is about the gentlemen drivers, this is about the sponsors, the partners, this is the possi- about the possibility to, for, the, for, the, for the team to spend the money. Uh, we will have to, for sure, to recover first. We will have to check first what is the exact situation. Nobody knows at this moment. Everybody is doing expectation. So some people have a very positive view, some others have a very, very negative view. Nobody knows really. We have to know exactly when we will get out from this LC crisis. We have to know exactly what will be the consequence at the end on the economic and on the financial side. As soon as we will know, it will be easiest for us to to build the next season with the right number of races. Very, very, from, from a first point of view, but you know that it can change all the time. We have to be prepared to change a lot of things next year yeah. because... Uh, I'm pretty sure that regarding a huge crisis like this, there is automatically a serious impact behind. So we have to we have to be careful. Uh, we have to we have to be ready to change some things. The first big change will be exactly the order of the of the season, because we we can sell the idea to start in September, finishing by June. Now from next year will be automatically a start in March, finishing by November, and will be the same for the following years. For, for many reasons. First of all, because we have to make easy the life of the of the team and the partners, especially in this very difficult period. Secondly, because we have to adapt all our technical regulation at this point. And as you probably remember, next year was supposed next season was to be the, supposed to be the arrival of the first hypercar, like Toyota or Blickenhausen, and. Uh, uh, Delaying the start of the season in March 21 provide them six months more to be ready, and it will be not too much regarding the time they are losing now with the development of the car with uh, with the current situation. Then after that, in 22, uh, would be the period for the arrival and the entry of the of the LMDH with our partners from USA, and we will be exactly on the same frame. I mean, uh, it's supposed to be Daytona 22, and it will be March 22 for the WEC. So, and on 23, you will have the same probably with the new LMP2 chassis. So you have, you, very frankly, it, it, takes, it, it provides more sense, it, it's more logical, and it it's provides a better visibility for everybody. Uh, I'd, I'd seen it reported uh, by a number of people that the, the cross year calendar was going to was coming to an end although it 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 did say that in the the press release Sherrod does that mean that you will never go back or is it just the force majeure of what's happened now and the ongoing technical regulations that you've talked about and the changes that they will bring that it it frankly just makes more sense to go back to a more traditional calendar uh, at least for the short to medium term the current situation demonstrates us that we can never say never. So uh, we have to stay very humble and very frankly, at this moment, this is not the plan to be back with the reverse calendar. Normally, the idea is to stay with the next one we will do. But uh, I cannot tell you what will happen in two years. I don't know what will happen in two months, very frankly. So it's difficult to do it. The, the thing we have tried to make, to make last week uh, was to was to 
to provide the visibility in case we are ready to start the engine because we were totally blind. And I think the worst for a team, for a paddock, is to do, do not have any idea about uh, how, we can, how we can restart the, 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 the engine. So we said, first, we have to take care and we have to manage the crisis, the LFT crisis, following exactly the instruction, etc., etc. Second thing, as soon as it will be possible to do it, because in any case, the, the motorsport will restart. This is not the question. But the, the problem is when and how. The day will happen, we have to know exactly what we are doing. And the very important factors is that in Europe especially, the traffic will be very intense because you will have to provide all the races of the championship in, in four months when it was planned to do it in seven months. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we took the position now, we have booked the slot, we are ready. We are ready to, uh, so to, because we have to organize and we have to be ready. So we have a visibility with a spa, for example, it was supposed to be in April, could happen in August. June was supposed to be Le Mans, could happen in, in, in September. And for the last race, which was supposed to be Sebring in March, we beat this race in Bahrain. Mm -hmm. Sebring will be back next year. So I think that we have now, we know exactly where we go. Same with the ELMS. So the people can be ready. As soon as the lockdown will be finished and that the, 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 the people will be able to join the factory and to prepare the season, they will know what they have to do in order to join and to start the championship or to restart the championship, uh, if it's possible. Very sensible. Uh, Sherrod, I noticed as well that in all the communiques we've seen, it uh, mentions that you've uh, been... Uh, in contact uh, with the FIA through all of this, of course, the FIA World Endurance Championship. Um, talking about particularly season nine, twenty, the twenty twenty one season, as we can call it now. Um, as you rightly said, the right number of races will be the right number of races, and we don't know that. Uh, is there some flexibility from the FIA? to because of it being a global championship for you guys and i think it's three different continents you're supposed to race in to have a fully fledged world championship it might not be possible to do that Gerard. yeah it can it, it can it can be strange for you but the fia are living in the same world than us so uh, definitely i think that they, they, they take in consideration the situation now i have to say uh, that they, they have been they, they have been very helpful with us uh, regarding, for example, the modification of the calendar, it, w it was a very accelerated process with the president of the FIA, and they, 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 they made the validation very quickly. They organized also a connection between the different championships to try to exchange few information about what we can restart the season and uh, how it can be the near future. So I would say that they, they have been very cooperative at this moment. For the next season, um, because now we have decided to start next year. Of course, they will be flexible and we will adapt because they understood very well that probably the story will be different next year. So clearly, we have a permanent dialogue with them and we exchange with them. And this is a very productive dialogue at this moment. And they are supporting us totally in this uh, very difficult situation. I think a few people, Girard, um, might be surprised but in a pleasant way pleasantly surprised that the timetables for some of the new regulations that you uh, the ACO and indeed IMSA uh, have had uh, on the table for quite some time are, are going to be broadly speaking uh, still adhered to you were talking there about LMDH uh, 2022 that's exactly when we expected to uh, to see those cars uh, at Daytona uh, at least and then the new 
uh, LMP2 uh, regulations in in 2023, uh, as you uh, as you mentioned. How important is it to keep some degree? of stability and some degree of order in a situation where so much you can't, there is so much you can't influence? Very frankly, the situation didn't change about the vision we had uh, three months ago and the situation now. Three months ago, we were saying in, in, in January, in Daytona, as you remember very well, that for us, the future is going through a good partnership between IMSA and ICO, providing a global platform for the top categories. And this is exactly the same today. And I have to say that the, the big, the big, unfortunately, we didn't have a chance to present the program in, in Sebring. And we, we are both IMSA and, uh, and ICO very frustrated about this situation. No, I, have, I would not go in detail to the LMDH because that's not my function to do it today. But I can tell you that we are still working very close together. We are in the better position today, absolutely, than, and, and, and in a very advanced position comparing with, with the, where we stay last January. And there is a daily working process with the manufacturers involved, with the chassis manufacturers, with ACO and IPSA. And I can tell you that the convergence will happen, no question about that. But the, 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 the idea we try to keep the same schedule, 22 for the for the for the introduction of this new category. But uh, you have to understand that this is not the right time to communicate on this now. So the people are working, they are exchanging. Uh, the process is going on exactly on the right time, as it was planned before. And as soon as we will be able to sit down in the same room together with you, all the specialist media, and with both Jim France for the IMSA and Pierre Fillon for the ACO, we'll be very delighted to present the final technical regulation. But the process is still going on. It's still working on the right time. The only thing is the, the, for the communication, this is not the right time. And one more, one more time, our belief is that at this moment, we, we have to take care about our family, our partners, or the people around us. That's the most important. And LMDH is a small story comparing with the, with the on-stake we have, with the healthy... Uh, situation for the humanity and the people uh, uh, whilst I'm sure all of our audience will um, absolutely agree with that I think they'll also uh, be very pleased to hear the positivity Gerard that conversions will happen uh, and we will hear about it when at the time is right the other thing that's come out very very clearly from our chat here and again thank you so much uh, for, for coming on Midweight Motorsport uh, something that you said earlier that I'm going to take away from this that when the lockdown is lifted when the time is ready and when motorsport is is restarting that sports car racing the elms the fiawac the engines will be ready to fire and i really i really yeah. like that sentiment exactly this is the target we have to be ready because you know one thing we learn with this crisis except the fact that we have to be very humble uh, it's it's the fact that there is really a huge community of fans and people having and sharing passion for motorsport. And we received so many messages, probably like you, since few weeks, about the frustration of the people that there is no action on live. And uh, my belief is that we have to learn from this crisis to make sure that we return stronger than before and that we will be ready to share this passion, probably with, uh, I would say, with the, um, the, 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 uh, the possibility, and it will be mandatory uh, for us to 
to try to think or sport better than he was before and to try to adapt and to try in consideration some value that sometimes uh, we can lost or we can forget, which is very important. So um, we have to be positive, definitely. We, we have to take care first to be safe. But after that, we have to be, we have to be positive and to try to grow up uh, just after a crisis like this. Gerard, always a pleasure. Thanks again for your time. Uh, we'll Thank speak- you, John. Take care. Uh, and Be you safe. too. We'll speak to you again, and I'm sure, when we know a little more of the circumstances of where we'll find ourselves next year. Gerard Navour, thank you for joining us. With pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Thank you to Gerard Navour. Well, earlier in the week, we spoke to Andrew Cotton from Racecar Engineering about how the shutdown's affecting the implementation of new regulations, not just in the WEC, but also in Formula 1. And first of all, John asked Andrew if some teams were breathing a sigh of relief. Yes, in a way, yes. Qualified, um, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, because you know, a team like Toyota um, would have pushed the boat and or would have pushed the, the envelope and would have got it ready. So I, I don't doubt that they would have had cars on the grid in, in September. Giving it until March, they have an extra couple of months, so it changes their uh, testing schedule. It, it changes, you know, if they can get the car on track as they originally planned in, in June, July time, uh, it gives Michelin a chance to have a good look at it and develop their first tyres and, you know, all that kind of stuff would, would help. But you do go to race at Sebring as your first race. Um, which is not the kindest circuit on a on a on a car, but yes, I mean it, it does change things a little bit. Um, I think that teams uh, had been given the option of coming in later anyway. Certainly in terms of the World Endurance Championship, they didn't have to be ready for the first race because the FIA already knew that some were going to be struggling to be ready on time anyway. So you were allowed to come in whenever you were ready. Uh, all it means is that the championship has uh, potentially more cars for more races that it will organise in, in a calendar year. And in Formula One then, to the outsider, you might think, oh, well, that's, that's, that's lovely for everybody. You've just, you've just put the new regulations on hold for a year. That means they'll just race this year's car for another year. And, of course, you've got one team there, McLaren, who are still talking about doing an engine swap uh, and, and going to their contract with Mercedes. I mean, can that potentially give them a huge advantage? Because they'll, push, I, I would think, they would have to make some quite detailed changes to the to the chassis to uh, and to the rear suspension, gearbox, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, the teams are, are regularly doing this. You know, you usually get to. We usually look at a couple of the Formula One cars the following year when teams are ready to talk about them, and it's a common theme that you design your car for one engine um, or power unit. Uh, package and then suddenly you have to change it and then you have to change all your cooling you have to change your suspension your gearbox you have to change everything and so you finish up with a compromise um and so for a team like mclaren uh they already knew that they were going to the mercedes uh power unit and they already have an idea they 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 have access to all this data i don't think it's going to hurt them in any way um will it be an advantage possibly but uh, you know, we just have to wait and see what what comes. They, I think there's a lot of contracts that were signed for next year um, that are going to have to be renegotiated. So it's going to be a bit of a mishmash. The issue that the Formula One teams were facing for this year was that they would have to do a a, a mule car to test for the new regulations because they wouldn't be allowed to use this year's cars. You know, uh, uh, next year's cars are so completely new. So they would have to actually build another car this season. Um, and that was pretty much where, where it all started to fall apart, really. 
and actually the, we've seen in the past as well costs come down is if you if you leave longer homologation periods uh, certainly in sports car racing and and other uh, forms of racing as well um you do see the costs come down you know you think about the the 1980s when we had porsche 956s and 962s uh racing you know you could run one for for five or six years uh, without a problem so the longer you, if you if you don't change a huge amount if you don't have to change the uh, the tub which is what Porsche and uh, Toyota and Audi all worked out in the World Endurance Championship. Don't change the tub. There's no need. It, it's it's worth fractions, and it costs a fortune. So forget that bit. You know, let's keep the costs under control. Let's just make sure we can go racing, and make sure that when we do go racing, uh, it's going to be competitive. And ultimately, of course, the LMDH platform is the new LMP2 car, and mm-hmm. what came out in the announcement at Daytona, which seems a very long time ago now, is that that is going to have a 10-year homologation, that LMP2 platform. Yeah. That's unheard of in, 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 in modern times. Yeah, and I don't like it because having great long homologation periods doesn't, uh, it doesn't help. Having a stable rule set for that, that long does help, and having sensible options, sensible uh, restrictions in place does help. But actually limiting... Um, doesn't it just doesn't work? Uh, the only thing is that now they've introduced balance of performance to the uh, LMDH, which again I don't agree with. I prefer to see open racing like we have had in the past. Um, you know, a little bit of development, flexibility to develop, and flexibility to do some interesting things. You know, don't you don't need to limit it. And and also, I don't like this idea that there's only four manufacturers that are allowed to build an LMDH car. I think that's just wrong. And I miss the days of having, you know, all the different manufacturers and all the different, you know, these one offs and little side uh, side teams, smaller teams that can come in and just experiment and try to play. So, so what you're saying is you don't have a problem with a rule set that lasts 10 years. You don't even have a problem with a homologation for a car particularly a tub that lasts 10 years, but it needs to be yeah. more manufacturers allowed. So, and particularly if you've got a long period like that, surely there's enough business for everybody to go at. You would think so, yeah. And I'm not talking about manufacturers. I'm talking about teams. I'm talking about engineering teams. So if you think back to to Richard Lloyd with his Canon Porsche, you know, and and there are other, other Porsche teams um, I don't know if you've read Sir John Buckrick's uh, excellent book on the on the Porsche 956 era, um, but he is fairly convinced that Porsche were developing an awful lot of stuff that they just handed over to their customers and allowed them to run. So the, 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 the Lloyd Porsche was able to run with a front wing that almost certainly was developed by Porsche and given to them and they get to run it. So, you know, you, there is a little bit of room for privateers mm. to run little different things you know, experiment, try and find a, a different route to get to the front and just experiment, whether it's aerodynamics or whether it's car setup or whether it's, you know, something that you can just look at and go, oh, they tried something different. But under a long homologation rule, you're not allowed to do that. And I think that's a big shame. Is is this an opportunity then to have a, a long, hard look at motorsport from the top down rather than the, from the bottom up and say, we can do this differently. We can do it for less money people will always find money ways to spend money i know that but we can we can do it we can open it up to a, a bigger part of of the industry to get involved i i, I accept the formula one um, almost survives on being exclusive rather than inclusive but other motorsport it, it's the other way around 
I don't think they're going to have any options because the money is not going to be there that has been for the last 20 years. Since Audi joined the the endurance racing family, they have set the bar in terms of spending and Porsche was able to match it. Uh, Toyota was able to get close. Um, I know that they always said that they had less money, but, um, you know, Nissan uh, had a go as well. So, you know, we've been in a, in a very blessed and very uh, prolific spending era that I think is now over. Um, I don't think, you know, if you have manufacturers that have closed production lines and you have supply chain difficulties and you have sales forecasts for the next six or eight months, uh, much lower than has been in the past, are manufacturers really going to spend huge amounts of money to go racing? Possibly. You know, they may have a justifiable reason to go and do it, but I'm not sure that that's going to be the new norm. Um, so Formula One is certainly going to have to look very carefully at it. Uh, sports car racing will certainly have to look very carefully at it as well. Um, Could you ever see Formula One in particular, Andrew, going back to the days that I remember where you could go and, and get the previous year's car from one of the top teams. Could you see a return to something like that that would swell the the Formula One grid or at least make those teams at the back of the grid who don't have the ability to raise sponsorship dollars or manufacturer dollars as easily as those at the front, give them an opportunity to compete, to continue to compete? Absolutely. Look at the spending cap that they're trying to bring in. I still think it's too high. Um, you know, but but the market will decide if there isn't the money available to go racing. And, and by the way, you may get the money from television or, or somebody like that. But we just don't know where the money is going to come from. Is it going to come from a manufacturer? Is it going to come from a sponsor? Is it going to come from uh, the hospitality? Is it going to come from the television? Is it going to come from online sponsorship? How much of it is going to be there? Um, there will be money there. But if it's much, much less, people are going to look very carefully at how they spend it. And if they don't have the money to pursue a new hybrid powertrain for, you know, every year. Well, okay. You know, they've achieved 50% thermal efficiency. They've got the most efficient, magnificent engines. I mean, these feats of engineering are extraordinary. Um, Will we continue to see those racing or developed? Maybe, maybe not. Um, You know, will the world look for a different solution? What, you know, if people are going to buy cars, are they still looking to buy a hybrid or are they looking to uh, buy something else? We just don't know. This is a a complete life-changing experience for a lot of people. It's going to change the way that people view what they buy and how they manage and what they do in future. One thing we do know is that whichever way the technology develops and the sport moves, the race car engineer will be right across it. Although I have to say, Andrew, you've got me quite excited about the prospect of a a new era era of privateer racing right up into and including Formula One and World Championship level. I don't think, I I don't see that as a bad bad thing. Wish you well, sir. All the best to the uh, the rest of the team and to the family cotton as well. And to all the listeners as well, I hope everybody's staying safe and observing all the uh, all the restrictions that are in place. Um, we've got a lot of my family that work in the NHS, and uh, so it really matters that everybody pays attention and does what they're told. Thank them from us as well for their essential service. Andrew Cotton from Racecar Engineering. Thanks for joining us on Midweek Motorsport. Thank you. That was uh, Andrew talking to me earlier on this week. Series 15, uh, episode 14... 
Uh, and before we go any further, Tim, you've got a point on what Andrew was talking to us about earlier on this week? Well, it's what you were talking about um, bringing the gap down between the fastest and slowest cars mm. in Formula One. Um, but I think that is a aim that is completely wrong because the gap over the last quarter of a century has come down between the fastest and slowest cars uh, in Formula One and it's made the sport less competitive. If you look at 1999's Italian Grand Prix, the gap between the car on pole and uh, Robert Kubica was three seconds. If you look at the 1994 Italian Grand Prix, the gap between Jean Alessi on pole and uh, Bertrand Gascher was 8.2 seconds. Mm. Monza hasn't changed in length. No, but what has changed is the reliability of the cars. And, and you would be buying the reliability of the of the, the cars uh, as well. Uh, we'll you, get... you need to make cars less reliable, not close together. Um, well, we'll get Nick Dimmitt to talk about that in a moment. Let's take a couple of tweets before we get Nick uh, on the line here. A lot of very positive comments from Sherrod Navour, who joined us for our top uh, story uh, this evening. Sarah Rigby, hello, Sarah. I didn't mention you at the top of the show. At the start of the show, uh, Gerard Nouveau not got an easy job and admire his skill of juggling many things at once. Merci, Mr. Nouveau. Uh, Rob Jenner really liked the positive forward planning for the championships, considering all aspects, including the provision for gentlemen drivers hit by economic factors, and that the plan is flexible with so many uh, unknowns. Uh, all very good. And Kevin Payne, it's very useful to understand the logic behind the decisions of the calendar. Easy just to look at the dates and criticise. So many factors to be considered, especially the economy and gentlemen drivers, like planning a domino fall. Uh, at Speculatement, if you want to get in touch with us, Johnny Mullen will be our big interview in about 15 minutes' time and we'll continue the chat. Johnny, in his capacity as effectively a team entrant with Red River Sport with his gentleman drivers. But it's time for a bit of Formula One now. Hooray! We'll get right. And we get hooray again. You did all right there. You did all right. Um, I I want to start by asking Mm -hmm. you about what Andrew was talking about there. All right, we know that everything's been pushed back uh, in terms of the uh, implementation of the new regulations. I thought Andrew's points there were very interesting about investment into Formula One, uh, about the potential going forward. And you've been doing a bit of digging around in Formula One this week, and it, and it appears that the teams have realised exactly what Andrew was talking about as well. Yeah, I think there's been a kind of a realisation with the loss of the Canadian Grand Prix. We're now nine down. Um, next up, Circuit Paul Ricard at the end of June. That will go. Um, it's just the question is whether they decide to try and start in the, first, in the first week of July, which is which is Austria, which is possible. Personally, it seems more likely that they'll probably lose that one and the British Grand Prix and, and try and start in Hungary and then go for, go for gold across the what was the um, summer break. But anyway, the, the fact is they've realised that they've lost a huge amount of races. They've they've got a huge amount of overheads. They and and there's been a a, a kind of a I want to say a road to, road to Damascus moment. Almost, it suddenly you're all right. Once again, you can talk about the fact that the that F1 is is in financial um, difficulty on a number of levels, even though it is a making a monstrous amount of cash. Um, 
and 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 what's happening is the medium teams um, are, are are beginning to squeal. Yeah, we've got the, the, the little minnows we know have got issues or have an owner who's not enjoying not winning in Hass's stake. Say, but obviously Ross Braun. Um, threw out a fabulous uh, bit of uh, Mosley-esque, I think, uh, mm. uh, quote to Mosley there earlier in the week. We said, oh, we're going to look, four teams could go. Well, yeah, no, four teams, but mine's spend less money. But what does seem to come through all of this, is it seems likely that the $175 million cost cap, uh, which what is still coming in next year, even with the same uh, cars, they will be effectively, or mostly the same cars, the same chassis is the idea. Uh, as Andrew was discussing, that's one of the most expensive parts. Um, that is looking to be trimmed down to $150 million, um, And everyone sort of agreed that, but it hasn't been gone through to a vote yet, even the bigger teams. The, 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 some of the other teams wanted to reduce it even more. Mm. Um, Ferrari have kind of pointed out there is, a, there, is a, there, is a, a, there is, in fairness, a slight dichotomy of the, the teams who supply stuff to... Uh, other teams so for example you know it, when you when you pick up a ferrari engine you always which is obviously a separate unit the engine and it, it, that's all on the engine side paid for and there's regs on that and everything else but obviously you always pick up the gearbox and you pick up the rear suspension points and various various other things now those have gone through not just the manufacturing but as ferrari pointed out expensive r&d yes so what they're looking to get as as the cost cap comes down closer to what the smaller teams can spend so they think yeah we reckon that mclaren could spend 150 million dollars in their position well we don't want to actually be subsidizing them or mercedes in this case by doing all their gearbox work for them so they are now looking to have a kind of a manufacturer car claim i suppose i don't know how it so so they'll be allowed to spend more if they've proven they've spent it on bits which are shareable it just has another layer of complexity but yeah you know it's it it looks like the the cost caps are going to come down it looks like the other thing they're talking about now is as far as changing the cars between this year and next year um the chassis will stay the same and, and you'll have a number of tokens you can spend ah. in various parts of the car. Jetons. So, ah, we're back jet to Jetons again. The Jetons are coming back again. Yes, I've been ditched in 2016, 17. Can't remember what it was. And yes, yeah, so the Jetons, which also means that McLaren will spend a lot of Jetons on changing their engine and the others can spend Jetons on, on other bits and bobs. So that's, um, yeah, yeah. It, 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 the news coming out of F1 at the moment is is all about finances and of course the other thing to remember as well is that the key point is that the, the the company that's actually most likely to suffer from finances isn't one of the teams it's it's liberty media they're the ones who are really suffering um because not only they've got no income coming in at all at the moment from from the tv companies you know they're also going to have to the the projected income will be reduced by the number of races they don't run and they're getting no money coming in from from hosting fees so it's, it's, so, so, Nick, it, it, all of this, it, it, does this suggest that the teams are less um, confident on getting the rest of the season off uh, as as advertised so far than perhaps Chase Carey has been when he says, well, we're still going to get 16 races off. They're not going to get 16 races off. They'll be lucky to get double figures of, of races off. And, and that financially is going to be very, very hard for the teams because clearly the sponsorship that comes in on, uh, you know, will be pro rata to how many races they do. Andrew, you know, made the point of, of manufacturers and there are plenty of manufacturers which are supporting the spend in F1 in particular nowadays and they're not building cars. And if they're not building cars, they're not getting profits. If they're not getting profits, they're not spending money on 
uh, advertising and marketing, of which probably F1 is, is their biggest line item. No, and that's why the team suddenly are going. Yeah, it's all right to reduce the cost cap because the amount they, mm. the amount they are, they're holding their cap out for, is less and easier to back justify by the publicity. If you're asking for two hundred twenty million pounds dollars, it's a lot different from asking for one hundred fifty million dollars. Well, particularly the dollar's very strong at the moment as well. Yeah, when you can prove, yeah, you, know, you can prove the minutes of coverage because there are no minutes of coverage at the moment either to, to back it against. Uh, so spinning back, I I believe they'll get a dozen away. Uh, and they'll find a way of getting a dozen away to make it a legitimate championship because eight's not enough. They probably won't, they're, they're, whether they'll get the three continents, they'll probably try and get something away in Europe and then something, uh, try and do Cota and, and then get the, a, a, a massive raft of Asian what, events in the, in the weather what to the back ab- end of the year. What about the knock-on? Are, are we going to see, because the other thing there, and, and obviously I, I recorded that interview with Andrew and we talked about a lot of other stuff as well because I haven't spoken to Andrew for ages. Um, what about the knock-on going forward? Is Formula... I mean, there are a lot of countries, and uh, I'll, I'll phrase that another way. There are a lot of circuits that are backed by uh, governments that pay the sanction fees for them. And uh, that may not be a business model going forward. Do you see Formula One uh, withdrawing or consolidating, is a better word, that's more positive, consolidating to its European heartland in the coming seasons? Well, not next season because the contracts are all in place, and if you don't hold the race, you still pay. Um, so, but what happens if you default? Good, what well, happens yeah, if you it, default? It, what it, you going to do? Default too? No. Well, that's a very good point. I mean, the thing is, that none of us know what the world's going to look like post-COVID, and post-COVID is a lot further away than most of us would, would wish it to be. Um, you know, there is no reason that I can see that a a twenty twenty one season starting in March won't get the full twenty one or twenty two races off. No next year even if they but that's as you point if they want to hold it what 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 condition people are going to be in and and f1 has already made some swinging savings across the board you know they've effectively they've they've, you're actually running a very long season this whatever they get this season next year in traditional investment terms very very similar you know, because really the development that they're going to do is going to be just what they would do is like a major update. It's not going to be rebuild a build your car from scratch. Um, there's talk. And I'm not sure whether it's officially being said that it may well be an engine development freeze as well. Mm. Um, not sure that I think probably they, that that's now been talked about coming in for next year. So you'll start with an engine and, and that's it. So um, which will save an awful lot of engine development money. Um you know, and that's that actually is good news for manufacturers because the amount of money they'll, they'll be charging the customers is exactly the same. They're just because they'll still be buying three engines or four or five engines often, but they're obviously they'll be saving on the on the, on the manufacturing details. But yeah, yeah, you know, I think you know the fact is that the the requirement for passing in the pass in the meet is 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 growing and it's not big to be particularly spendy and everyone just need that they're all desperate to get through the um that's the court the season that's the court f1 needs not to be particularly spendy says yeah. says nick dearman <laughs> says says says, says manly english o level but no i mean i think it's it's, <laughs> it's a you know it's, it's a really good point is that the, the the biggest problem in any business in any part of life is uncertainty and if 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 tomorrow a solid 12 race calendar came out with a hundred percent that yeah. that was going to happen. Yeah. Suddenly everyone would go, okay, Phew. right now we know mm. what we're doing. But the fact is we don't know. We don't know. There will be several Grand Prix this year, but, and there will be enough to make a world championship in number and hopefully in continent. But if you put a finger on any individual of the, of the next 20 races, sorry, the next uh, 
Yes, it's still, actually still theoretically what, 19 races to go, isn't there? Any of those 19 races which could have happened in time, we know we've lost some already, no, none of them are actually guaranteed. None of them are actually hunting guaranteed. And the, and the issue is, and I think what may happen, is we may see behind closed doors televised races where Liberty end up just doing a circuit rental and riding the race because they'll still make money off, they'll make, they make more money running a race for the TV revenue than not running the race. Obviously, they make a lot more if they get the, the sanctioning fee, but you know because they've got their, they're going in default and have to pay back the massive amounts that Sky and RTL pay them, getting races away suddenly becomes incredibly important. Uh, Tim Greer is up in London. And they could be getting those races away in some different places, couldn't they, Nick? If you're a grade one circuit, um, mm. and I, I know, t- are you talking about Portimao who've got their... Uh, Portimao is now a grade one circuit. Really? Yeah. They've paid the money to go from the, grade one T. This week, they have switched from grade one T to grade one. Wow. Yeah. Portugal is one of the less affected European countries. The weather is better for longer down the mm-hmm. Algarve. So if you want to stretch out the European season, that's a place you can do it. Um, and I'm sure that's not a coincidence. I'm very that's surprised. smart that business, isn't it? That is really smart business. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, and um, see the hit the tourist industry is taking down in the Algarve, as it all will over the summer. Um, they're, they're, they're getting a race there will be an absolute massive win for everybody involved. Um, just hope they've got enough hire cars. It's always a struggle. <laughs> Uh, I think that's shrewd. Who's who's going to jump on the bandwagon next, Nick? Have you heard well, of Agora Drive? What is that? Agora Drive is a new uh, FIA Grade 1 circuit in St. Petersburg. Oh, it's not. Oh, it is. Oh, that's the one which DTM was supposed to be going to, wasn't it? Yes. Well, that doesn't work quite so well, Tim, because they have even shorter amount of window which you can go into. Yes. Um, that's that's it. That there are many other European circuits which would be usable long after St. Petersburg isn't. Who's uh, very keen to go to St. Petersburg? Bernie Eccleston. No, well, well, he might be. I haven't asked him. Well, he's just he wants to get away from his pregnant wife, you know. <laughs> Daniel Kriat is the answer. <laughs> of course, oh, it is. Okay. He, he says it will bring Russia closer to Europe uh, by what? attracting fans from Scandinavia, which Sochi doesn't. No, Sochi doesn't attract fans from anywhere, but. Sochi has a contract for another five years, though. Yeah. After I mean, this year. They need to do a little bit of redesign on it, but it's actually a facility. It's not too bad. It's just the track itself doesn't quite lend itself. It doesn't One of those tracks that looks like it should race better than it does. Can I just say, um, in F1 terms, beggars can't be choosers. And if it, it, it may become the case that Liberty may have to look at where they can hold races and particularly where people have money to hold races. And... As, as we know from uh, Russia's uh, buying victories in sport, uh, athletics, football, the World Cup, you name it, they've got plenty of money to, run, to, to throw about. So why wouldn't you have two? Because I, we, I we absolutely I... know that money is king. Nobody cares about the morals of it. No, I agree with that. But apart from the fact that, that uh, this is going to be a battle against the weather, it's going to be a battle against getting the races away in the months you've got in climbs that can hold a race. And St. So- Petersburg so- is so- good. The, the, yeah, the, Sochi the, the is better in that respect than St. Petersburg. Sochi and they, and could potentially days, still hold a race in November. Yeah, Sochi is, is Sochi, when is that? That's, that's early October, isn't it? 
I think the race yeah. is supposed to. Yeah. So, so that will happen. It, that, it's that normally low 20s uh, in October uh, in Sochi, and it's going to be high teens in November. So you could. You can have that any time. Uh, you've mentioned uh, this already, uh, but uh, who's about to become a father again? Um, Bernie Eccleston. Bernard Charles Eccleston. Yeah. I thought I was on a troller. God knows what happens. Oh, it's 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 it, no, good, yeah, good. Yeah. Well, all I can say is congratulations. The child will want for nothing apart from the father. Um, well, no, yeah, he's got fun. nothing else to do now, has he? So he's probably going to be a normal lot. It's, well, yeah, well, you say home a lot, but he's 89, John. The odds are... But by the time the kid goes to university, to Bernie's going to be 106, 107. Yes. So, yeah, but I'm with not... balance of performance, uh, he'll be back down to 63. That's true. And he is quite lightweight. But, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> uh, what, what, it's happy news, if surprising news. And as I, we actually talk about this uh, at... Uh, dinner today with the kids uh my well they're adults of course my kids uh, uh apparently it's very not icky as adult as, well. as uh, bernie eccleston though <laughs> very uh, icky described as uh have we got more um f1 news to come tim yeah but i'll hold that for the second hour because we're getting close to nine o'clock now okay yes the second half of the show is about to get underway but before that happens he's crazy with news of what's on on the grid tomorrow night. G'day everyone. All the talk down under at the moment is about E-Series Racing. So we've got Truck Assist Tickford Racing ace Lee Holdsworth on the show to talk about the upcoming Supercars All-Star E-Series. It starts this week, runs for 10 of them. And then an insight into how a major Supercars team and series sponsor is dealing with this unscheduled off-season. It's a fascinating insight from Chris Gillespie from National Transport Insurance. There's all the usual chat and some very, very cool news we're happy to break on the show this week. It's on the grid, your Aussie look at motorsport. It's on RS1 and it's on at 9pm Thursday nights. Can't wait to talk to you then. Midweek Motorsport. And don't you dare switch off now because the next hour's going to be even better. Well, that's uh, a big thing to live up to, isn't it? At Specutainment, if you'd like to comment on what Gerard Navarre was talking about in our top story uh, tonight, he's getting uh, quite a, a lot of tweets coming in and most of you enjoying uh, the interview and also liking the pragmatic approach being taken by the man at the head of the ELMS and the FIAWEC series. Uh, still to come, Nick Damon will be back with us to talk more Formula One. Johnny Palmer joins us as he goes head-to-head with Nick in the quarter-final, the third quarter-final of Play Your Carts Right. Your tweets too, of course, at Specutainment. And next up, it is our big interview. And joining us on the telephone, one of our fan favourites, Johnny Baller. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. Midweek Motorsport then, here is the big interview, as promised. It's Johnny Morlam. Hello, Jim. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, John. And yourself and Eve are keeping well and safe and healthy, I hope. We are. Thank you very much indeed. I know you were listening earlier on when we had Gerard Naveau on. Obviously, you and I both endorse what Gerard said about, you know, motorsport to some extent isn't that important when people are dying. However, we have got to look forward, as Gerard said, so that we're ready for when the green flag waves again. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I agree entirely with what Gerard said in that, Obviously, the world will change. I'm sure the world will change in many, many, probably in everyone's industries will 
will change. Some of them, I think, could change for the better, and including potentially motorsport, although it's hard, you're hard-pressed at the moment to see with, say, airline industry and motorsport industry and stuff like that, how that could be a positive change. But I'm mm. sure something positive will come from it, even if it's just a, on the human level, the positivity. But I'm sat here, you know, beginning to physically find, mentally probably slightly more stressed out than I envisaged I would be if someone had just said, go and have a two, three-week holiday. Yes. Um, because I'm thinking... I'm not, I, I haven't got a goal. I, I, I'm very goal-driven in the way I worked, whether it was when I was driving, and especially now with Red River Sport, I need to sort of have a plan in place and work towards that. All my clients have been brilliant and absolutely paying it forward, sticking, sticking by Red River. We've been trying to do the same with our suppliers, sort of paying up down the line in terms of credit or whatever it is for when the motorsport starts back up again, because as Gerard says, it will start back up again. But we need to have a plan to work towards. So... Them coming out with what I think, especially if you look at some of the other calendars that have been released by other series, for the WEC anyway, I think is um, a realistic calendar. Certainly, you would hope, and again, it all depends on how the world opens back up with, with travel, because don't yes. forget we're the epicenter at the moment, or potentially maybe US is now, but that's going to change over the next two, three, four months. Um, so other areas in the country will, in the world rather, will be locked down, even if we're through the worst of it and beginning to open up again. So that's going to influence the, the WEC because it's obviously an international championship. Exactly. But nevertheless, you would hope that sort of third weekend in September, Le Mans is realistic. Spa, I'm hopeful, but I would say that is slightly maybe optimistic. But what do I know? I mean, that's the thing, like Gerard rightly said, nobody knows. So it's nice to have something to work towards as far as Bon and Ivor and all of, of, of my clients, I don't even talk to them about it at the moment because it's no. all too up in the air that none of them really want to talk or focus in on what's happening. But it gives, me, it gives me a goal to work towards and we can start driving loads and loads of laps of Bar Le Mans and Bahrain on, on the sim and doing remote coaching that way. Well, and, and there, there's a, a very good point. Part of what you do with Red River Sport and, and you being involved with it, this is one of the unique attributes of what you do with your management and, and advisory and mentoring side of things is that you go to tracks with drivers and help them out and look at their data and look at their lines and look at the onboards. Well, you can't do that in the moment. So can you do that in the, in, in the virtual world, Johnny? Nothing beats actually sitting next to someone in a, in a, in a car um, and feeling what the car is doing and feeling how it's reacting to their inputs, be it throttle, steering or brake, mm. um, how they're hitting a curb, what angle of turn in they're using, how much lock they're ca- initially putting into the car, how long they're holding it. All of that, you can't, you can't beat that feel to sit next to someone and, and coach them. A lot of people don't actually sit next to people as much as they used to. They rely on the data. For example, with Bond, when I first started out with Bond, he had never even done a track day, so I sat with him pretty much for an entire year, and I God knows how many track days we did, but we were, you know, well over 20, um, and I just sat next to him, and I can remember almost like, you know, when you're learning to fly a helicopter or something or a plane, the first time they let you go solo, I can remember the first time I let him go out on his own and him going out on his own and enjoying it, and I still would sit in with him a lot, but now... I don't think I've sat actually in a car with him. Maybe I think I've sat in, in a car with him once just mm. for a bit of fun when we were doing a track day somewhere in a challenge car but for the last year and a half, two years, because he's progressed to a level where he's 
so adept at what he does. He has a really good understanding of the basics now. He's very good with data. So we can just rely on data. And when you're relying just on the data with somebody, that's where the SIM can actually come in really handy in terms of you can teach someone a basic line on the SIM. Yeah. You can't necessarily feel exactly what they're doing wrong in terms of their steering inputs or driving inputs. But you can certainly teach someone a line sort of where to carry momentum, where not to, where the bumps are. For example, something like Le Mans is going to be very helpful when we start doing that over the coming weeks. Yeah, no test day, of course, this year for that. So, yes, you've got to have reduced track time, aren't you? Yes, and also I'll be able to tell them when it rains, for example, where it puddles up, you know, where, mm. the, where the danger points are. You know, just driving around, and, and I'm um, just yesterday, actually, Bon and I, for the first time, set up a host server on one of the, the games. It wasn't iRacing, it was the other one, Assetto, and, uh, and uh, we, we both went out and drove around together, and actually, for the first time, it wasn't too bad at all, and I'm going to given me ideas on how to improve it. So, I mean, I was very lucky. I mean, Charlie Eastwood, I have to give him a shout-out, because uh, he... He sorted me out with a, a sim very, very quickly, virtually on the verge of the lockdown because we saw it coming and I thought I need, I need to get a sim at home because I've been relying on iZone and places like that to go with. But Bon mm. already had one at home. I've already had one at home and now I've got one so we can all, all link in. It's nothing new. Uh, lots of people are doing it. Most people are using it to race on. From my point of view, um, I might be tempted. Matt Griffin was pushing me to race a Mazda around Snetterton or something the other day and I was like I wouldn't do that in real life why do I want to do that on a, on a sim but but, um, but nevertheless it is a lot, I might join in with some of that depending on how much especially how further this lockdown goes on but the main reason for getting it was a tool for Red River Sport because they're not cheap to uh, to invest in in terms of looking after the clients uh, all of all the Red River Sport clients for the future. Going back to a bit of positivity. Now, Le Mans, clearly, apart from being a, a big race for us fans, is a huge race, not just in the sporting sense, but also in the business sense for the privateer teams and part of the business plan for the year. Especially for us. I mean, for the fans, it's brilliant. And Le Mans is, as has been, as we've said many, many times, has been voted the best, you know, sporting mass spectacle in the world mm. or certainly one of them um and it's huge and it's an, a massive event but when you've got an event like that the, the aco have been incredibly good in the last 10 12 years of of commercializing that quite rightly and who you know you, you would expect that from them so the fia WEC series and the aco running the WEC, it's it's a business for them and uh, le mans is their jewel in their crown yeah and for them to not have le mans run would be commercially horrific but not just for that reason the whole lasath region is totally reliant yeah. on le mans to bring in i mean you'll know better than me john but I, i'm pretty sure it's by far their single annual biggest oh, yeah. revenue creator yeah yeah i know the french government will control it i know that politically the aco even have you know reasonably high political influence i don't know if that will do them any good or not if the french government allow them to, to, to let Le Mans go ahead, um, I'm convinced that they, but they won't want it to go ahead. And this is the crux. I can't imagine they'll want it to go ahead behind closed doors. No, 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 I no. mean, it has, to, it has to go ahead as per normal yeah. or not at all, in my opinion. Looking further ahead, Johnny, and just finally yeah. with you, um, the other point of, of Girard's um, 
message when asking about season nine. He wasn't prepared to overly commit to anything. Le Mans will have its spot in June. There's going to be Sebring in March. Uh, we're going back to a calendar year. But looking forward to, to 2021, I suppose we've all got to trust in the fact that the right decisions are made. That's a good question, John. I mean, personally, and this is just my opinion, I mean, he would be foolish to commit to a calendar for 2021 when there are so many rules and regulations up in the air at the moment. Mm. Mercedes aren't producing a single car. You know, Volkswagen, Ferrari, and not just Formula One, but their, their car factory. There's so many car industries closed down. Manufacturers just absolutely closed down. This is going to hit them really hard, no matter how much government grants and, and, and situation and benefits they're going to receive. Ultimately, Formula One, I'm sure, will see a reduction in personnel numbers mm -hmm. at the end of this. And I can't see how that won't spread through to the manufacturers, at which point you've got all these sort of hypercar plans desperately trying to attract manufacturers in. This isn't going to help them. So we're in a situation where for him to actually go ahead and, and announce a calendar which involves a set of rules and regulations where the manufacturers have probably, if Hypercar was near the top of their list, which you could argue it wasn't beforehand, it sure as hell isn't going to be now. So he needs to wait and see when the next three, four, five months all settles down, where they are, what they need, before he even begins to think about what he's going to announce for 2021. And uh, I think he's very sensible to wait and see on that. I, per I personally think something similar to what's already happened in Formula One. I think the rules will be pushed forward. I think they'll end up saying, OK, we're going to stick with the current, we're going to grandfather, and that's been done before, what we've got, and we're going to move it forward, and I personally think that might well be what happens. I think yeah. the LMDH thing might be less than that, um, or might not be grandfathered as much as that, personally, because I think that that's something that a lot more people are naturally on board with, but I yes. still think that although this might accelerate that slightly, I don't see how you can accelerate it any more than sort of 2022, so it's still probably going to be a number of years before we see that dream that we had 15, 20 years ago when cars in America can come over and race the very best at, at Le Mans all under the same under wow. the same umbrella, so to speak. Can't, can't wait for that to happen again. I, I, I bet manufacturers are going to be, you know, they have to be seen to be, if nothing else, even if they've got pots of cash, which they don't, they, it's all justifiable. They've got shareholders they have to justify to. Dividends are being cut left, right and centre on most corporate shares at the moment, or many of them. So when you're in that situation, how can you justify spending 40, 50, 60 million on something? For the individuals out there coming back, um, that's going to be less, well, hopefully, le less of an issue. But certainly for the main manufacturers, I think this whole landscape is going to be so different come the end of all of this. The good will always survive. The cream rises to the top, Johnny. And uh, I've no doubt that you and I will be talking uh, about this in the future. And hopefully we can do it over a glass of something decent, uh, either at a restaurant or somewhere. I actually have a glass of wine ready when you, for when you call. But everything, <laughs> I don't know how I'm managing to... I, I thought this would be one long holiday, but i am not got enough hours in the day to everything I need to be doing. So I was in the gym and I was thinking, I need to go for a run. And I thought, well, I can't go for a run because I haven't got time before before John's calling. So I thought, well, I'm going to have to go afterwards, which means I can't have a glass of wine while I'm talking to him. <laughs> well, have one when you come back, Jim. Uh, Jim, or thanks very much, mate. Best of you and the, and the family. Thanks, John. You take care. Love to Eve as well. Do you have a glass of wine now, uh, John? <laughs> so, Johnny Morlam. Jim, well, thank you for... Is he gone? He's gone. He's gone. Uh, uh, 
he introduced me to good uh, French white, and it just so happens I have a very nice glass of southern French white uh, that I uh, picked up just before the top of the hour, so I'm gently sipping that at the moment. I was going to be out in the garden tonight, but uh, because we've had uh, Johnny and Gerard on the phone, um, I'm, I have to be up in the studio to, to bring those uh, in tonight, so I'm actually up in the studio. Give secret now. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, we've got two studios. You've got a studio down there in the main control room, and and I've got one here at High Enough Towers, and we and we bring different things in at different places. So that's how it that how it that's how it works. Uh, you listen to Midweek Motorsport Series 15, episode 14. Superb to hear Jay Moore has his own sim service set up so he can continue to train his clients at a sensible price without going to tracks and without other pesky drivers getting in the way. Very good stuff. Sometimes you um, want other drivers to get in the way. You learn things from that. Well, interestingly, Johnny was one of the first people that I knew who went out in two cars and did uh, drafting and what happens when somebody's right up your tailpipes with uh, his clients at Red River Sports. So, yes, you're absolutely right. But you can do that, of course, on a sim. So, you know, if he gets Bon Grimes and, and Ivor or any of these clients, he can get them all together and put them on the track together. And, of course, nowadays you can talk between yourselves as well. So that all kind of works. Uh, where would you like to go next? Uh, I'd like to go to the Nürburgring. Would you? Oh, no, I wouldn't. We're going to do that in a bit, aren't we? We're going to do some calendar news. Oh, you too. You love a good calendar, don't you? We've got some positive calendar news to start with. And this Excellent. is the Asian Le Mans series, which has released its provisional 2020-2021 calendar. Mm-hmm. And that starts Happy at... birthday to Cyril uh, Teshvalen, by the way, uh, who had his birthday earlier on this week. That starts at Suzuka on uh, November the 29th. First time they started in Japan, if uh, memory serves. Uh, then 13th of December, which is just before my birthday, uh-huh. they're off to Shanghai. Right. Uh, then uh, there's a one-month gap uh, with Christmas in it uh, before they return to Thailand and uh, the Chang International Circuit at Buram. And that is, that's a, is that the 8th of January or something it's like the that? the 9th of January. I think that's probably the same weekend as Dubai 24 again, isn't it? Could well be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the 23rd of January, so just two weeks later, uh, is Sepang in Malaysia. Now, keen-eared listeners will have noticed... I this. didn't say the bend. You didn't say the bend, Motorsport Park. Uh, reason I'm guessing for that uh, is, the, frankly, the uncertainty that Gerard was talking about earlier on, about where we might be come 20... 21 and and whether Australia you'd be able to ship things to Australia get people to Australia uh, and also just those four races all within the relatively uh, small confines uh, of what is actually a big continent in Asia in fairness it's a very compressed uh, calendar in terms of time we're looking at uh, two months for the whole season yeah uh, no, 24 hours of Dubai is uh, 14, 15 and 16 of January oh, 2021. Excellent. You can uh, go from Thailand to Dubai and then back to I like Japan. the sound. I, I like the sound of that. That works if very nicely indeed. Uh, if, if we're allowed to fly. If anybody's flying uh, at that point. More calendar news? Uh, yes, American calendar news. Um, and uh, this is the very optimistic revised IndyCar calendar. <laughs> 
Yes. Uh, they Is have, this the revision of the revision of the revision of the IndyCar They calendar? have removed uh, the race that I told you weeks ago was not going to go ahead at Detroit, which means that IMSA can now confirm that uh, they're not going there either. Look, I know you can't see me, but what face do I have? It's your not-surprised face. That's correct. Well done. Uh, IMSA do believe that they're going to go to Texas Motor Speedway on June the 6th, to Road America on June the 21st. So, no, 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 not IMSA, IndyCar. Sorry, that's what I said, isn't it? No, you said uh, IMSA, in, but uh, in, don't panic me. Yeah. IMSA at Texas you've Motor just, Speedway. You've just panicked John Doonan, who I know listens every week. Hello, John. I, I, I'd, I'd quite like that, John. Look at it for next year, maybe. We'll, we'll get Tom Aaron to, to make it happen in the, uh, in the virtual world. If you're not form, following Tom Aaron... Um, whose Twitter handle is his name backwards, which I can't now work out. Um, he's been putting some fantastic uh, Project Cars 2 videos on, uh, but it's it's not just the cars, it's the explanations behind them. It's not the races. Yes. My favourite still, the uh, typing error that uh, in one year saw the British Rallycross Grand Prix uh, being competed for by Group C instead of Group B cars. That's yes. still my favourite. Anyway, that sorry, I remember. the first one I saw, but um, Formula Ford Festival at, uh, was it Zolder they moved that one to? And Indianapolis. Yeah, so um, Indianapolis it would be great for Formula NASCAR, Ford. The latest one I saw was NASCAR um, doing a Thursday race uh, at oh, Monaco. Yes. Uh, well, no, they've done NASCAR at Bathurst as well, he's done. Uh, and uh, Alton Park. Anyway, carry on. Look up Tom Aaron on Twitter. He's very funny. Yes. He's doing a great job. Nora Mott. Nora Mott, correct. Uh, 27th of June, Richmond. Uh, none of those are really going to happen. Uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway on July the 4th. Uh, Toronto. Isn't the whole season just going to end up at Indianapolis Motor Speedway? They've now got three races at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, including a share with... Um, GT America, whatever yes, it's called this year, powered by AWS. Twelfth uh, of July, they're saying for the Honda Indy of Toronto, that's not going to happen because they would have needed to start building the circuit in Toronto uh, this week, and they haven't. Right. Um, Iowa Speedway the following week. Um, I mean, let's look at what's realistic. Uh, Portland on September the thirteenth. Uh, Laguna Seca doubleheader the following week, uh, and then, uh, as you say, Indy um, and St. Petersburg needs a slot in somewhere as well because they've got a commitment to run St. Petersburg. Yes. Uh, right Turn Lover says, Calendar news, December in Shanghai for Asian Le Mans series. Wouldn't that require tie warmers? Um, I think Not necessarily. It doesn't no. always snow. Yeah, uh, and uh, Cara Brink... Uh, reminding us that Le- that uh, WeatherTech Race Laguna Seca is, is now an IndyCar double header if they manage to get that off. And that clashes with something else now, doesn't it? Which um, one? Laguna uh, Seca clashes with the sports car race, doesn't it? What what was the date of that? Uh, Laguna Seca is the 19th and 20th of September. 
All right, that's the Mon weekend. Oh, of course, yeah. Yes, just a minor sports car race. How could we possibly forget that? That tells you how confused we are about the calendar. Everything's going to clash with everything. No, there exactly. will be six major races every week in September, October and November. And it, we've now started... Uh, well, we and should... you'll hear them all on uh, RS1, 2 and 3. And 3, yes. RS127 will be firing up at various times. And talking about calendar congestion, it's even starting to be an issue in the virtual world. Although it wasn't last weekend at the Nürburgring when round two of the digital NLS, that's the Nürburgring uh, Langstrecken series, what we used to call the VLN, got underway. We covered it for the first time and we'll be looking after the rest of the season in sound and vision as well. Bruce Jones and I enjoyed a very exciting three hours and with the qualifying, the whole four hours went over very quickly indeed uh, in uh, a fabulous race it was the e the williams esport pair of sammy matty trogan and daniel stribe who came away uh, victorious in the dnls powered by vco uh, and here's our vco victory circle interview spoke to the guys earlier on this week and first i asked the starting driver sammy matty trogan uh, to give us his view of how the race went yeah, basically, first of all, qualifying was really went well and uh, only managed to do one lap, so was really, really like, didn't man- didn't didn't have time to really make any mistakes and uh, yeah, managed to get in pole and then just really good start and then managed to get uh, already six second cap after first lap and then it was just sucks basically not any any more need to push and everything so was. Really clean race, both of us for Dominic also. So, yeah, great race. Qualifying, you were very matter-of-fact there. On a lap that's so long, with so many opportunities to make mistakes, when you know you've only got one chance, does that not put the pressure right on you, though? Yeah, it's really tough that you need just one lap time to do it, basically. So, you... You get, don't get any other chances. If you get off track, you are basically out. So, yeah, it's really tough. You have to concentrate just all the time, basically. There is basically 26 corners or something. So you need to be really, really focused all that time. Now, at the start of the race, as you see, you got the start. Then you you do seven laps, which is nearly an hour straight off the belt. But, of course, at that point, having had a pretty clear track to yourself, you come out and there's traffic everywhere. So it completely changes the complexion of the race at that point. Yeah, that's true. That's the part of the race, basically, that there's other character categories also. So you need to also be more focused when there's slower cars and basically car everywhere when it's traffic and everything. So, yeah, but that's also good. You can also save a bit of fuel when it's traffic. So Now, now you race in uh, real life as well. Um, I, I made a comment at the weekend. When I see real-world racing on the Nordschleifer, and I've seen quite a lot of it, uh, it seems that there's not very much space between the cars. In the virtual world, can you get as close to the cars as you really want to? Or have you got to give a little bit extra room than perhaps you would do even in real life? Yeah, that's true. That's the difference. Is basically you, you can get closer in real life and 
can can uh, basically fight more if you do it same in uh, in the sim racing world you basically there's lag or something when it's easier to crash basically with the other car so that's something else to have to think about uh, when you transfer from the real world onto the online racing world. Yeah, that's true. That's it's been issue for the drivers who comes from sim racing to real world driving that uh, they don't have enough. Uh, they uh, they don't trust like the, you can go, can can go so close to other drivers. What yeah. real world driver ha- driving have you been doing, Sammy Matty? Basically, she good racing in Formula 4 cars, and uh, also a bit of, I did actually some testing this year with G- GT3 car also, with Valkenhorst team. Before that, I have done a bit more rallycross, and uh, this year is planned to drive actually via land series in Nordschleife, when there is coming some races, nobody knows. <laughs> right, so you're actually going to translate some of your skill in the online world into actually being on the Nordschleifer. Yeah, that's true. Have you actually driven the Nordschleifer on tourist laps or test days yet? Not right, not yet. Not yet in real world, but track looks really similar what I have seen. It's also in iRacing, it's larger scanned track, so yeah, probably it will be help a lot that have driven kind of much laps in sim racing. I only the difference is that if they're like track conditions if there is like in the rebel then there can be some weight in some corners like track is so long so there it can be like in last sector there can be like really raining and the first sector there is nothing basically so i racing other voices really close tell me about the partnership you have had at the weekend with dominic obviously you're not in the same place do you both have? Do you both race with the same setup on the car, or is it possible when you change over to to load your own settings in when Dominic comes after you? No, we we have to do with same setup basically. But we did quite a lot testing before this event, and uh, we did actually one uh, race in here North Life before this this event. So we we were pretty clear clear what setup we will lose for this race and is it like the real world then where if you've got a teammate you can't always have the car exactly how you want it it has to be a compromise sometimes between you know your setting and your teammate setting yeah that's true basically it's the same same thing just some small small different what you can make but not not big I was... because there's there is not not time to do that you can make big differences in that track because it's a long track and uh you need to have two really good teammates which, which both are similar pace. So, yeah, that helps a lot. Now, what's the plan for the rest of the season then, Sammy Matty? Are you going to be doing the rest of the year with Williams Esports? Yeah, I will do, do probably my two years still have with the contract with Williams. So, yeah, and uh, of course, looking forward to do next race of the VLN. So. Yeah, we're looking forward to that too. As well, Sammy Matty, thanks for joining us on the VCO Victory Circle interview here on Midweek Motorsport. Okay, thank you. And now to the second driver in that victorious Williams eSports team at the weekend. It's Dominic Stive who brought the car home to the finish. That looked pretty much, I've got to say, Dominic, like a, a perfect race. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. It basically could have not gone better for us. We had not a single scratch on our car after the entire three-hour race and 
we are really happy with how everything worked out for us. Really happy because nowadays with the competition in iRacing being so strong, it basically almost never happens that you have a dominant victory. So we are really happy with our performance. The, the tactics that you chose uh, pretty much split the race between you two into halves effectively now what i could tell from the pit stop times is whether you guys did tires or not uh, in, in after that first seven laps stimmed basically notch life is not so hard on the tires mm. so we knew for a three-hour race we only need to change tires once that's the fastest and obviously you don't want to run two hours on one set and then only one hour on the next set and then we decided to do basically one hour 30 minutes because one stint is like 56 minutes so you have to do three pit stops anyway at least and yeah that's why we decided to go with that strategy how much practice did you put in a lot to be honest i mean i'm on iRacing for two years now and ever since because Nordschleife is my most favorite track i do laps there like every month basically but of course now with this event coming up we practice basically every night the whole week. Are we going to see you for the rest of the year in the championship? Um, I guess we will switch a little bit. The pro drivers have to do every race, but we have a lot of strong drivers on our team. So I guess I will not race every single of the remaining seven races, but we will definitely also look at who's competitive and decide who's driving the races. When I say set up normally to a driver, uh, we're talking about spring rates and, and how the car's set up. But the setup of the rig and your pedals and your wheel and everything else that you've got to control the car in in the virtual world, that's so important as well. Yeah, exactly. Everything matters, matters basically. I mean, we worked a lot on the car setup and we felt really comfortable. The car was really good to drive and really fast, especially. And of course, uh, with so much experience in sim racing um, at home, my simulator is set up pretty well and everything is basically perfect for me to drive and feel how I like it. Of course, we have a lot of sponsors on our team, so I can get upgrades from them, a better wheel, better pedals and that stuff. That obviously changes with time, but normally we can only adjust like a little bit. I can add, for example, a little bit of damping in my wheel when I drive the Nordschleife, Good. so the bumps are not so hard in the wheel. The force feedback aspect of the wheel is where you really feel what the car is doing. Yes, you have the visual aspect, so what's coming through your wrists and your hands is so important, but important that that's at a level that you can handle and isn't going to completely tire you out, presumably. Yeah, of course, the wheel is probably with the brake the most important thing on your simulator because you only have that feedback basically. It's also important that we don't set it too strong. So if we, for example, do an endurance race of two hours, we can't set our wheels so strong that we are basically dead after <laughs> 10 minutes of driving. So this is also really important. Tell me a little bit about the background of, of your team, the Williams Esports team. How did you get involved with them? Basically, I started on iRacing in 2018 on my own and I had like a lot of good results and in iRacing people always look out for new drivers who do well and then you get basically messaged and someone invites you and to talk to you and then that's basically how it works and then you get into teams like Williams Esports if you do really well. 
Can you make a career out of racing online when you get involved with one of the big teams like Williams Esports? Definitely. It happened before. I mean, there are several drivers who made it from sim racing into the real world, and that is obviously great to see for us and definitely motivates us to train a lot and maybe get that chance one day as well. Sorry to hear that we won't see you in all the races this season, but you had a cracking race at the weekend. Dominic, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And the next round of the uh, DNLS, the uh, Digital Nürburgring Langstrakenserie, powered by VCO, uh, is not this Saturday, but next Saturday. So that will be the 18th. You're the, you're the executive producer, Tim. I don't have a calendar in front of me. <laughs> you love a calendar! Yes. Uh, and uh, we've also got uh, the next round of uh, IMSA's iRacing uh, series before that. That's next Thursday, I believe. Uh, that is, yes, not tomorrow, a week tomorrow. A week tomorrow. Correct. And are they at Long Beach next week? No, they're not. Uh, we will be at Laguna Seca, yeah, I st- believe. St- still in California. Right state. Right state. If memory serves. Wrong I'm, part. I'm just trying to uh, speak to the guys from Imsen and find out. Although very much the right part, uh, if you like uh, the lifestyle of the Monterey Peninsula. 6 uh, Eastern is the start time, so that'll be 11 o'clock in the evening here yes. in the UK and midnight in Europe. I know, but honestly, it's all going to be there as a... Uh, as a download or a replay we'll have that in sound and vision and because you asked for it we're going to have on uh, radio-show.co.uk we will have our own timing live timing screen Mm. as well which will be embedded on the same page that we have the video and the audio so you have everything in one place. And for more news on everything in the virtual racing world, tune in to the Toro Radio Show tomorrow night at 8pm. It's the turn of the American uh, half of that uh, presentation team tomorrow, so that will be Louis, uh, Louis Sattley. running that show. It's uh, like the Transatlantic Trophy, isn't it? They're trying to outdo <laughs> each other every week. It's fantastic. I really like the Ryder Cup. And yet Cup. none of them have been to Donington Park yet. Well, it's, it's the Ryder Cup of of online uh, radio shows. I like it. It's very good indeed. Where uh, would you like to go next, Tim? Uh, I'd also like to remind you that immediately after that, tomorrow at 9, is uh, on the grid. Uh, and I forgot to say, uh, when we were talking about the Asian Le Mans series calendar, that... Uh, not this week, not tomorrow's show, but next Thursday's show, they will be uh, talking to uh, Sam Shaheen Sam Shaheen from The Bend uh, about uh, not having an Asian Le Mans series race there. So if you have any questions you want posed to oh, Sam, uh, email at uh, the race tweet, talk. Tweet, tweet, yes, at the race tweet talk. at the race talk. That's T-O-R-Q-E and use the hashtag on the grid. All together. Now, Nick Damon is uh, back with us. Hello, Tim. Hello, John. Hello, Nick. Uh, because we didn't quite finish the Formula One news. I mean, we hooray, finished... part two. We is finished... that not just Ray, then, if it's hooray, part two? Uh, you're right, actually. It should be just Ray, yeah. Yeah, and in the new pared-down Formula One that we're going to get, that's all you'll Ruh. get. You'll just get a Ruh. Ruh. No, it must be who. Who. Hoorah. 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 This is actually not a contemporary Formula 1 story. It's one that uh, we should have done weeks ago, and it was on a show where we ran out of time and we dropped it. Right. Uh, 
So, Nick, if a young woman approached you and said, God. beat me and make me work, how would you react? Well, realistically, I, I, would, I would react with surprise, followed by total fear, I expect. What you should say is, hello, Davina Michelle. Who's Davina hello, Michelle? Hello, Davina Michelle. Davina Michelle is a singer... Uh, who has recorded the official uh, song of the Dutch Grand Prix. Right. Uh, and obviously the, the Dutch Grand Prix uh, is postponed, probably cancelled. Uh, yeah, the second, the second most important thing in Holland has been cancelled, but keep going. Um, Eurovision Song Contest. But uh, her song, which is Eurovision worthy, I'm sure, uh, was called Beat Me. Would you like to hear some of it? Yes. Trying to catch up in my own game But the world is moving fast I know that at the end of day When the ceiling keeps my night away I made it home at last Oh, give me stress Give me pressure Make me That's Davina Michelle with Beat Me. I quite like that. It was a bit sort of a deli at the start, wasn't it? How how, how many points will you give that, John? I would give that a seven. A strong seven. Seven out of ten for John. Et les résultats du jury belge, Nick? Well, I have to be honest with you. I think that it had... um, It did sound like more like a movie theme. I think it was obviously a cross between James Bond and Fifty Shades of Grey, wasn't it? (laughs) Mm, Very good. I see what you're saying. That would have been tying me up, though, wouldn't it? Well, but no, no, no. Beat me was involved as well. Trust me. Um, I haven't read uh, it. So. I would say that was quite good. Yeah, I give it a seven or eight. It's not as good as my two favourites for the never to exist uh, Eurovision Song Contest. Ah, I've never seen never. Russia. Well, yeah, Russia and still... Iceland. Yes, Russia and Iceland are my favourites from from those. How are you doing with compiling those? God, I told you, I've got all four. I've got, I have forty. We need to edit it down. Oh, yes. we need to do the semi-finals. Yeah, we're going to find do that. our favourite twenty-four, and then. Yes. You may realise, dear listener, that what we are going to have here is a, an RSL, not the Eurovision Song Contest. But mm-hmm. it, but that is going to happen. We are going oh. to do this. The, the tr- lockdown, <laughs> shutdown, kick, you know what, not the Eurovision Song Contest. It's going to happen, and it will be on the Radio Show I, I, My personal thing, we should, we should, too much. I think we should just do it as one event, and we'll have to be arbiters of taste to get 16 out of there, because I think that'd be quite easy. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm sure we could find 16 that aren't quite as good as the others. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's uh, something for the future. Now we have more serious uh, things to talk Do about. You? Right. Indeed. Shall uh, we see if we can say good evening to 
the voice of the WEC and the RSL uh, network and the ELMS uh, when it gets started. Johnny Palmer, good evening. How are you, mate? Good evening, John. Good evening, everybody on the collective. I'm, I'm doing all right, all things considered. Yes, good right. to hear your voice again. Oh, you sound you sound a bit close to your microphone there. Um, uh, your thoughts about uh, Gerard Navour earlier on? Uh, the we had him on the show earlier on, but obviously talking about what was um, announced last Friday, which is the revised calendars for the end of the WEC this season, and trying to get an ELMS race off at Spa before. We go to to Le Mans in September. Yeah, it's really tough, isn't it, from Gerard's point of view? Um, I kind of understand the decisions he's had to make, and the, 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 what with the super season, and then one almost one uh, school term season as well, and then that never really got started. So I, I feel for him, but I do like the fact that they're trying to get eight races into the WEC and and let's face it if they can do five races of a plan six in the ELMS they've done a splendid job mm. I still think trying to start mm. that in July is going to be a tough ask though at Ricard I can see that one uh being called off but maybe they can still wedge in the fifth race somewhere between I don't know September and, and the end of the year I'm sure we'll be talking about that in the future however we have the important business of the evening with Tim Gray. Yes. Do you know why you've been summoned, Johnny Palmer? Do you know, Tim, normally when I come on for these things, I'm um, plied with a great deal of information. Can you hear the sarcasm in my voice? I have not a clue, as usual, frankly, but go ahead. The theme tune will give you a massive clue. That's right. So we're in the quarterfinal stage of Play Your Cards, oh, can I, right? Can I do it like this? And tonight, it's the quarterfinal of Play Your Cards, right? Quarterfinal number three features Johnny Palmer against Nick Damon. Uh, for those of you who maybe missed the first two quarterfinals, which, or even have forgotten about them because they were so long ago, we were doing these <laughs> in October and November last year. Uh, in the first quarterfinal. Uh, Declan Brennan uh, went through to the semis after John Hindhoff was disqualified for cheating. That's not... You could not prove that. <laughs> you couldn't prove you weren't. Well, you can't prove a negative. Ask Saddam Hussein. I would if he was alive. Uh, and uh, in semi-final two, it was Joe Bradley against Shay Adam. And who do you think won there? Joe. <laughs> or... Or Shay. <laughs> However, here's how the competition works. Well, it's just like play your cards right. Yes, uh, but you might have to tell people. Um, and to explain the game, here's your quiz master, Tim Gray. I'm really struggling to remember the mechanics of this. <laughs> but basically, I ask you a question, uh, you give me an answer, which is a numerical value, and then the other uh, contestant has to say whether they think the answer is higher or lower than the answer you gave. Yeah. Ah, I see. It all becomes very, very clear now. 
sort of. He uh, said again. I'm still hand Paris, driving, by the way. And you, and I'm you still, still hand driving to the music, but at a uh, socially appropriate distance. Uh, and and still with a modicum of sarcasm as well, Mr. Palmer. Well done. Uh, you know me. Right. How do we find out who go? And now we'll find out who goes first. I'll play your cards right. Yes. There was also uh, another uh, element to this. I should have listened to one of the old episodes <laughs> to remember how we do this. <laughs> Hang on. You're the quiz master. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Nick, we're going to start with you. Excellent. Okay. The 1990 world karting champion yes. was Jan Magnussen. Oh, well done. Uh, he subsequently raced for Mercedes in the DTM and ITC. But yes. across the three seasons that he did that, how many points did he score? Oh, for God's sake, I've no idea. Um, 28. 28 points across three seasons, says Nick Damon. Uh, so let's go to Johnny Palmer and say, Johnny, do you think it was higher or lower? I am going to have a wild stab in the dark and say higher than 28. And you'd be correct. Nice. Excellent. Uh, How many was it? It was 229. <laughs> oh, close then. <laughs> so you were only 101 out, Nick. Well done. 201? I had no idea what the scoring system was. It was I, closer than I got to any of my answers, I'll tell you I, that. I think the ITC scoring system gave 30 points for win. <laughs> right, OK. Moving on. Um, so, Johnny, uh, turning over your first card, that's a nine... Uh, you can keep that card, or you can swap it for something else if you want. Uh, no, I'll keep that. Okay. Uh, higher or lower than a nine? I will say lower than a nine. It's an eight. Oh. Higher or lower? Still counts. Uh, higher than an eight. That's ten. Higher or lower than ten? Uh, let's go lower. It's a three, higher or lower? Oh, Got to be higher. That's a jack, higher or lower? Oh. <laughs> Has he finished? This, no. card f- this card fixing has worked a treat, Tim. Uh, lower. Lower than a jack's a ten. Ooh. Ooh. Barely. Uh, higher or lower? Um, higher. Higher than a ten, you say? Really? It's a seven. Oh. oh. But I think you've got a run of six cards there, so we'll give you six That's points. That's not bad. Six points, okay. And it's your turn to go first on the next question. Right. Okay. Which uh, relates to 2014 World Karting Champion. Can you remember, no points for this, who 2014's World Karting Champion was? I can't, you know. No. It's Lando Norris. Ah, uh, yes. When he was even smaller than he is now. Is <laughs> uh, he with the electron microscope? Yes. How many podium finishes did Lando have in his season in Formula 2, Johnny? Um, now, that's about 20-odd races, is it, or more? Uh, let's say let's say 12. 12. Nick, higher or lower than 12? Lower. Lower. And Nick is correct, because it was 9. Oh... Okay. Uh, so, Nick, let's take a look at your card. It's a six. Excellent. Do you want to oh. swap that or yes, keep please. it? I'd like to swap you it. Swap that, and you get a jack. Lower than a jack. Lower than a jack, says Nick. Uh, it's an ace. Oh, fiddlesticks. So, uh, did Nick you gets... say fiddlesticks there? Yes, I did. Well done. Nick gets nothing at all. Johnny's uh, turn to go. No, it's Nick's turn to go. 
Uh, sorry, yes. Uh, 2003 World Casting Champion. Can right, you remember okay. who that was? Was he Italian? He was not. He was uh, New Zealand. Uh, oh, um, Brendan Hartley. It was Wade Cunningham. <laughs> Fine. Now, uh, Wade Cunningham uh, signed for Team New Zealand in A1GP in the 2006-2007 season. Right, OK. How many points did New Zealand score that season? What? The team, not just him? The team, not just him. <sighs> I don't know the scoring system again. Um, 60. Johnny, higher or lower than 60 for Team New Zealand in 2006-07? I uh, will say lower than 60. It's wrong. It was 93 oh, it? points, yes. Wow. That was when Team New Zealand was run by uh, West Surrey Racing, and they were really good. Okay. Who was, well, the, who was the other driver then when it wasn't Wade? Uh, was it John? John? Uh, yes, it could well yeah, have John been. Martin. Uh, John Martin. John Martin. John Martin. No, but, no not John Martin. Um, no? John. Oh, maybe it was John Martin. Yeah. Yeah, he, he okay, was Okay, that was the good season for New Zealand. Apologies, all you Kiwis out there. Uh, so... Uh, Nick, it's your yes. turn. Uh, and uh, your card's two. Do you want to keep the two? No, I'll keep the two. You'll Higher than a two. two. Higher than a two, says Nick. That's a five. Oof. Higher than a five. Higher than a five is a seven. Higher than a seven. Higher than a seven is a king. Lower than a king. Lower than a king is another king. I don't know. There's nothing in this game for two in the bed. You get nothing for pair. Come Why on. Come on. Not in, this, Not in game. this game. Expecting a bit more than that. <laughs> uh, for, for four points for Nick there. Okay. One of four. And it's Johnny's turn to answer the next question, which relates to yes. the 1974 World Karting Champion, Ricardo Patrese. Oh, okay. uh, yes. Ricardo Patrese went on to have a long and successful career in Formula One. But in Formula One, how many different teammates did he have? Ricardo Patrese, across his whole Formula One career? Yes. I will say... Which ran from the 70s to the 90s. Yes. I will say... Seven. Nick, higher or lower than seven? Higher. Higher. You're going higher. Yes, it was indeed 17. I knew there was a seven in there somewhere. Uh, so, Nick, let's see what card we're turning over for you. It's a jack. You can keep that or you can swap it. I will keep the jack and lower than a jack. Lower than a jack, says Nick, it's a nine. Lower than a nine. It's a three. Higher than a three. It's a jack. Lower than a jack. Lower than a jack is an ace. Oh, it's blooming aces. Yes. Still three, though, in the lead. You You have taken the lead now, yes. Big uh, you've been playing blackjack, mate. You've had you've had two blackjacks and been well up on the deal. Picture then an ace. Uh, by the way, I think it was. Um, I've now had the chance. I think it was Johnny Reed who was the Johnny Reed. That's who it was. Yes. And and Earl Bamber, we missed out on Earl Bamber, Chris Vanderdrift, Johnny Reed, Matt Halliday were the the drivers. Oh, Chris Vanderdrift, who had that Matt awful Halliday. accident at Brands Hatch. Yeah. Sorry, I I did have to look that up. Yes. But I knew that if I should didn't, have somebody else Johnny would. Reed. You should have. Moving on. Uh, so this is our final question, and this one goes to Nick Damon. Giampiero mm-hmm. Simoni was the world karting champion in 1987. 
good year. He later on to went on to race in the British Touring Car Championship. But yes. what number car did he race in the 1994 season? What number car? Yes. Jeez, I don't know. Um, what was the big 14. number? 14. 14. Uh, Johnny, higher or lower than 14? This is a very good question for me, not only because I'm an Alpha fan, but also because I watched the 1994 uh, BTCC season review the other day. <laughs> oh, so it's higher than it's Bad higher man. than Nick's. It's higher than Nick's answer because it's fifty-six. Fifty-six is a correct answer. On the nausea. I would like else. to claim that is unfair. No, Why? you can't. <laughs> I just feel that a man who was built for social isolation is now because of Winnie. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there'd be a reason for all my timing sheets and uh, stacked up DVDs to watch. Well, in fairness, they did, they did avoid the obvious pickup truck that Donington in 2004, but apart from that... <laughs> True, yes. That was, that was my specialist subject. I made that clear from the start, but nobody's paid any attention. Go ahead. Nick. So, hang on, hang on. What are the scores at the moment? How uh, At the uh, moment, Johnny has six and Nick has seven. Right, so he only needs to get one right here to, well, take, to it. take it to the tiebreaker. Yes, two to win, or one two for the tiebreaker. Super over. So, your first card... Uh, Johnny is a king it's the king of hearts do you want to keep that or do you want to swap it for something else I'm going to keep that without question higher or lower than a king Johnny I will say Tim lower than a king he said higher I'm sure he did that's an eight I thought you you were going to say something else then Uh, (laughs) let's say lower it's a six Uh, so um, Johnny is our winner, but let's play on oh, just good. to see That's how takes, much he's going to win Brilliant. by. Yeah, go on. Okay, let's keep going. Um, higher or lower than a six? Lower than a six. It was a jack, so you oh. wouldn't oh. any further. Eight, seven, so, done. Nick, done. Nick, the Nick British Touring Car Championship review tape. So, Nick, terribly sorry. Would you like to say hello to anybody before I'm we like- let you go? I'd say hello to my lovely wife and animals at home and anyone who knows me. Um, yeah, and I'll take the toaster. Thank you, Bruce. <laughs> no, you get, you get the badge. You get the badge okay. and the T-shirt. Uh, Johnny's our winner, and he goes on to three and ten. Oh, no, sorry. No, that's the, he, he goes on he to goes a on to the semi-final, semifinal against uh, the winner of quarterfinal four, which we haven't had yet. So right. Which may we, be in 2022. Like, it could be many, many months away. It, it could be, although as the amount of actual motorsport... Uh, decreases further over the coming weeks we we might be doing a lot more quiz shows but by the way the uh, the court of arbitration for sport is looking into my disqualification because how you can be disqualified for cheating when all you've got to say is higher or lower is is beyond me because mm. <laughs> what i could see the cards tim you if you <laughs> if you go back to uh, last series of Midweek Motorsport, have a listen to the show, see what you think, and uh, maybe tweet us at Specutainment, and uh, we'll we'll have a look at what you have to say on next week's show. Are we letting Johnny and Nick go now, or uh, have we got one more story before we, we do? We've, we've got Can some... I just tell you, by the way, that literally just in, literally just in, is an update from Formula One's motorsport chief, um, Ross Braun, mm-hmm. who says the 2020 F1 season likely to start in Europe could be behind closed doors. Listening. Uh, yeah, he says, I've been listening to Midweek Motorsport and that Nick Damon really knows what he's talking about. <laughs> and travel for the teams and travel for everyone involved is going to be one of the big issues, said Braun. 
who was speaking after listening to Midweek Motorsport on RS1. You could argue where, that once we get there... Andrew Cotton, Nick Damon and Tim Gray said the same thing. Yes, exactly. You could argue that once we get there, we could become fairly self-contained. Our view is probably a European start would be favourable and that could even be a closed event. We could have a very enclosed environment with teams coming in on charter flights, we channel them into the circuit, make sure everybody is tested, cleared and there's no risk to anyone. We can have a race with no spectators, it's not great but it's better than no racing at all. We've got to remember there are millions of people who follow the sport at home. A lot of them are isolating and to be able to keep the sport alive and put on a sport and entertain people will be a huge bonus in the crisis we had but we can't put anyone at risk. The only thing, said Ross Braun, that could make it better is if the RSL team did live commentary uh, free (laughs) around the world. That's... 19 race season possible with a July start, he says. Really? Mm. me. We could no, achieve. He wasn't listening to us after all. We could achieve eight races by starting in September, they said on Midweek Motorsports. So if you wanted to drop dead points, it would be October, according to the Midweek Motorsport team, is what he said. Uh, so that's on the F1 side. Uh, Johnny Palmer. Um, if uh, I'd chosen the 1995 season for Giampiero Simone instead of 94, what car number was he in then? Ah, uh, see, I... 55? No. Well, it was Derek Tyquini Warwick. I think it was the 55 Derek in... Derek Warwick in 55. And Derek Warwick in 95. Yeah. 155, then. Well, that's where the 55 came from, yeah. Was he not 56 again for Simone? He wasn't, no. He, he went down to five. Did he? Yeah. I haven't got to that DVD yet. That's tomorrow's what well, viewing pleasure. I'm not going to ruin it for you by uh, <laughs> telling you who won. <coughs> someone from, someone from Scotland Scott did quite well. Which was the year of the Silverstone with the, uh, the uh, questionable rear wing, Johnny? That, that was 94. Yeah, that was, that, yeah, that was the they best year. They didn't race at Alton Park. They uh, put all the cars back on the trucks and drove out Yeah, they, they protest. Yes, they had a, uh, a corporate loss of, uh, of sense of humour and toys were thrown... Uh, and wing extensions were thrown out of the pram, weren't they, at that point? Indeed, so... Still won yes. the title. Yes, absolutely. That wing, that wing was absolutely legal. It was in the boot of all the road cars. It, no, it really was. I knew Gary Robertshaw, who's ended up being a very good motorsport engineer and had a good good career as a driver was actually working in Alfa Romeo dealership at that point up on the West Road at Newcastle and it really was that wing those wing extension plates were in the boot of every single car I bet he's got one in his shed well I hope he's got two <laughs> uh, and that's all we've got no, time it's not. is it not okay no. what's the best way to paint a fence uh, get someone um, else to do it get, to, to Tom Sawyer or was it, was it how can we fin it uh, you it was Tom it's Sawyer it's who convinced I could be it. Uh, not all racing drivers are spending all their time on simulators. Some of them are doing real-world tasks. And this was a question I saw on Twitter last week. Uh, some of the answers. Uh, Max Chilton. I spent two days painting mine with block brushes. You waste a lot by it dripping and putting it on thick, and then you can't get it all in the gaps. Two coats of spray would look better and save time. Charlie Robertson. Uh... Janessa's Charlie Robertson says spray is faster but it goes everywhere or maybe I'm just incompetent moving on uh, and Josh Cook British touring car driver says I've heard it's quicker to take the fence apart panel by panel and dip them in the required coat 
<laughs> That's the engineering version of it. Thank you to Johnny Palmer uh, and to Nick Damon, our correspondents this week. Johnny Palmer advances into the semi-finals of play. You can't write. Massive thanks to our guests tonight. Uh, live, we had uh, Johnny Morlam and Gerard Navarre, the man at the head of the uh, WEC and ELMS. And, of course, we also had Sammy Matty Trogan as well as Dominic Stye from Williams Esports and Andrew Cotton, the editor of uh, Race Car Engineering. Uh, it's a big Thursday again, 8 o'clock UK time. It'll be the Torah Radio Show, followed up by Crailsey and the gang for On The Grid at 9. But there's no time to explain. The Llama is still staying inside. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.